In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey, Nicole. Hello. We are diving into a really interesting question today about whether a patient has IC or pelvic floor dysfunction. This is a very common question from patients as well as pelvic PTs, quite a bit, clinicians. And I feel like this is going to be a fun discussion because we're going to dive into what is it and what is actually causing their symptoms. Is it truly interstitial cystitis or is it pelvic floor dysfunction? It's a question we even get on the phone when people call in asking and wondering, especially for remote consultations, is this something that I'm dealing with? And we've obviously been on an icy kick the last couple of weeks because we're really excited to announce the second cohort of the IC course is coming out, and that's going to be on the 26th of April. We have not had this launch in about six months, so I know some of you guys have been kind of waiting with bated breath. There is a wait list for the course. If you do want to get onto that, we're going to put that into the show notes down below, but... If you haven't taken this and you see IC patients, basically you should. I mean, that is the the underlying point here. It's 12 hours of content. It's all video stuff. You can go back through it. It's got a live Q&A. So as you have questions going through, you're going to be able to ask them and get an actual live Q&A answer. Other things, yeah. It's a live demonstration with uh, manual techniques for IC patients. So, I mean, you guys know that I love treating interstitial cystitis. That's how I got into treating interstitial cystitis was because I had a relatively prominent urologist at the hospital that I started working for. When I just started pelvic PT, I was getting immediately complex interstitial cystitis patients and I, of course, like many of you, if you're the only person treating pelvic floor patients in your practice or your place of work, I freaked out, but I quite quickly got started to see patterns because I was doing it so much and so fast. And so all of that was 15 years ago. So I've been treating patients like that for 15 years. Created the live course, taught it all over the world, and then... We ended up turning it into the online course, which is awesome and really makes it a lot easier. You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't have to get a hotel room. The one thing, if you're looking for a reason not to take it, please do not ask us this question. There are no Con Ed credits approved already in your area. You will get a certificate of completion for the hours, but we have really strong feelings on this. We've done an episode on it, but Con Ed credits are dirt cheap online. Pay $200, go to MedBridge, take every single one for that you're ever going to need for 200 bucks, and then just choose your courses based on what is going to be best for your patients and for your career. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so 
that was this podcast summation in <laughs> two sentences. That's it. So, does my patient, Nicole, have IC? Well, it depends. Okay. <laughs> it depends. And so one of the first things that's really helpful to just start off with is what is the definition of IC? And like so many pelvic floor conditions, it's basically just a symptom descriptor. It literally means pelvic pain or pressure perceived to be related to the urinary bladder in the absence of an infection or other identifiable cause. Like that's it. So it's pelvic pain and urinary symptoms. So period. And then you get a little bit more detail that's supposed to have been there for six months in order to have a formal IC diagnosis. It doesn't really matter. It's just symptoms. Do they have the symptoms of IC? Yes. There's no testing required. There's no anything else. They have pelvic pain pressure that feels like it's related to bladder, urinary urgency frequency. You could, you could call that IC. Totally. Now, we're going to take a slight pause because I do want to make sure that you guys know that Jesse... Just rattled that off, off the top of his head. No notes here, folks. And you want to know why? It's because he co-wrote the interstitial cystitis solution with me. And for many of you guys uh, might know that, but you might also not. So I would postulate that and bet a lot of money that Jesse actually knows way more about interstitial cystitis, maybe even than many of you but certainly most physicians. So just wanted to throw that out there because I think that sometimes he does a really good job of staying in his lane about he's not a clinician, but in this case, he has dove into the research on IC as we were writing the book together. So just well, FYI. Thank you, Nicole. Although it does feel like damning with faint praise to say that I know more than most physicians because it, that's a pretty damn low <laughs> it bar. It is a low it bar. It seems to be. Like, God dang it. It's a freaking low bar. And that's sad, oh, actually. You got bladder pain? Cool. Let's take it out. That seems to be like the most that people seem to know, in, at least in our area. But be that all as it may. Yeah. So basically, by... The formal definition, we could diagnose a lot of people with interstitial cystitis. Totally. And and that is what the a study in 2011 basically found out, that it was significantly underdiagnosed. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of this podcast here. But, but bottom line is that because it's a diagnosis of exclusion, you're basically ruling out other things and then saying, does your patient have urinary urgency frequency, and some other type of urinary symptom, and pelvic pain. And does your patient perceive any of that stuff to be coming from their symptoms to be coming from the urinary bladder? If those things are present, a cystoscopy is not needed for diagnosis technically. And and that is per the AUA, American Urological Association, not just my opinion, you guys, that is from specifically the American Urological Association. So that's it. So that's the definition of interstitial cystitis. So what's the definition of pelvic floor dysfunction? Well, that also is has a myriad of symptoms. Myriad. Is that the right word? Potentially. Okay. A Let's ton of different <laughs> symptoms that can be caused by, in this case, we're talking mostly from a hypertonic, short, tight pelvic floor. Can that cause urinary urgency frequency? Yes. Can it cause pelvic pain? Yes. Has it been studied in patients to be present with inter- that have been diagnosed with interstitial cystitis? Yes. And so 
percent in one study. So we usually round up to 90 percent of patients with that have been diagnosed with interstitial cystitis do have pelvic floor dysfunction, which is most everybody. And honestly, you guys, I really believe it's like way higher. I mean, I actually have never seen a person where they've come in with complete symptoms of interstitial cystitis that have lasted for any longer than six weeks that have not had pelvic floor dysfunction yeah, in they walked 15 in, years. You checked them. You're like, oh, ship shape. Yeah, ship shape. Don't know what to do with you. Like, no, that just like doesn't exist. So even though the research says and that we keep quoting 89 or some, you hear 90%, like, come on. If you have symptoms that are putting you into our office, you pretty much have pelvic floor dysfunction. And, and this is sometimes the way I at least talk about it with patients when they call on the phone, there's also a ton of other common symptoms that are associated with IC, but are not associated with the diagnosis. So things like urethral burning, pain with intercourse, low back pain, hip pain, constipation, all of that stuff, and I'm sure a whole bunch more is associated with IC. The people who are coming in have those issues, but it's not quote unquote part of the diagnosis. It's not technically... I see. Right. And it's not part of the diagnostic criteria. Therefore, it's not like they're checking off, you know, those types of boxes like, oh, well, if you have constipation, then you also have IC. It's like, it's not like that. So they're just like associated symptoms that are super common, but that we know have a common denominator of pelvic floor dysfunction. So really terminology wise, you're saying, okay, cool. Do I diagnose somebody with just pelvic floor dysfunction, quote unquote, just, and they have all of the same symptoms, or are they diagnosed with IC plus pelvic floor dysfunction, which we know is there. And really, honestly, at the end of the day, this basically just comes down to which practitioner they saw. And does the person even know about interstitial cystitis, or are they going to their GP and they're basically like, I don't know, it sounds like something going on with your pelvic floor, go to a pelvic PT in a perfect world, likelihood Right around zero, (laughs) right around the chances that someone with IC doesn't have pelvic floor dysfunction. But that brings up a great point too, though, Nicole, is that 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 diagnosis, and I think we did an episode on this a while back, but taking that that with a grain of salt, the diagnosis, because they could be diagnosed with vulvodynia or pedental neuralgia, or depending on who they saw, even if it's not technically correct, like... There's a huge muddle of medical diagnoses around this. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, it just depends. Usually the diagnosis is based on which practitioner they saw first and frankly, how much research the patient did before they saw that practitioner and biased their advice or diagnosis, diagnostic criteria into, into one of those categories. So, But all that is to say that I freaking don't care what a patient has come in with. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with IC. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with possible IC. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with pelvic floor dysfunction. Might be IC if it's a Sunday. Like I don't really care because I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, neuromuscular, musculoskeletal expert, and pelvic health and pelvic girl expert. Therefore, I'm going to do my PT diagnosis and figure out, is their pelvic floor causing, creating, underlying their their symptoms? And if their symptoms are categorized in that interstitial cystitis category, then is their pelvic floor causing their IC symptoms? That's all we have to figure out. Right. Don't make it harder than it has to be, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we get caught up 
so much in the, ah, I don't know. Oh my gosh, what do they have? I don't know. And we can allow the patient to sort of get us into those spirals if they're already there. So I think one of the biggest things, one of the takeaways from this podcast is don't let a physician, patient, your own biases and incorrect ideas of what interstitial cystitis is, what it looks like, what it might be, cloud up your clinical judgment of the patient right in front of you. Is your job when a person comes in, regardless of what diagnosis is, is that person's pelvic floor causing some of their symptoms? And if so, how much and what is the underlying cause of all of that? And that's where we can help people. So I get DMs all the time of like, I don't know if my patient has interstitial cystitis. And I was like, okay, well, do they have pelvic floor dysfunction that, yes, definitely. Their pelvic floor is short and tight. Cool. Do they have symptoms of urinary urgency, frequency, and pelvic pain? Yeah, they have totally, all the things, da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, cool. Yes to both things, technically. Yes to pelvic floor dysfunction, could be diagnosed with IC. Oh, but they haven't gotten that diagnosis from their doctor yet. I'm like, so? What is that going to change? Right. What is that going to change what you do? Right. And that's the thing. And that, right, where we're going to talk about big mistakes that you can make in the treatment here. But yeah, that is where it shouldn't really, medical diagnosis-wise, change what you're looking at. And I want to pull back and, and tease out something you just said, Nicole, about that you don't care about the diagnosis that they come in with. And that's the diagnosis they've been given by their doctor or the diagnosis, like what they think they have from, from looking at Google. But you do very much care about what they think about that diagnosis, right? You care about the patient's mindset toward that diagnosis because that is going to change at least how you communicate. 100%. And right. So I don't want to be flippant. as like, I don't care. That's not going to dictate what I do in my evaluation. However, it is extremely important, like Jesse said, to pay attention to how wed that patient is to having something to, to call their symptoms. So for instance, and we go over this in the book, we go over this in the course, we go over this in the patient centered course we have on IC. How much does that person sitting in front of you need to have a name for their symptoms? There are some patients and you guys all know that you have this, and this doesn't just go for IC. It goes for everything. Do they need to like mentally need to have something to cause to call their symptoms? If that answer is yes, then that answer of does your patient have interstitial cystitis or pelvic floor dysfunction? And they are much more resonating with interstitial cystitis. It actually would decrease their anxiety to have a name of something, some label to them. Great. The opposite is also true, where if your patient is, oh my God, I don't, because you get these people too, I don't want uh, interstitial cystitis. Oh my God, I'm so scared. I can't believe I looked at Google and I, the, my life is over and I went on this forum and everybody has a, getting their bladder taken out and it's not even helping. And oh my God, am I going to go down that road? I don't want this condition. What the heck? Now, again, not just for IC, but for pendulalralgia, for vulvodynia, all those things, like if that, then, then the answer is no. Then the answer is you have pelvic floor dysfunction that is happen to be causing your urinary urgency, frequency, pelvic pain, and all these other symptoms. So it doesn't really matter at all 
until it does to the patient. And then that's the thing that we really have to tease out and really validate whichever way they're feeling and then just move on to what we know and get them off of that freaking subject, regardless of if they don't want it, they do want it, whatever. We just have to stay in our lane and then do what we can do for that patient, which is evaluate and treat the symptoms that we have in front of us that are related to the pelvic floor that are causing these symptoms, period. That's one of the things I love that you did in the course is you actually did case reports around this and talked about not just like the X's and O's of how to handle interstitial cystitis and all the medical stuff, everything else that goes into all of that knowledge, but also just like, how do you actually talk to that person who comes in holding that like sheet of paper that's 30 years old or that binder of things who's convinced that they have? Like, I wouldn't have as an outsider realized, and I think probably a lot of PTs wouldn't realize like, oh, if you were putting together your wish list as a pelvic PT, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I am, guys. But if you're putting together your wish list, it wouldn't necessarily be at the very top of it like, oh, how to communicate with my person and get buy-in and validate their feelings, but then also turn to what I need to work on next and... Yeah, but if we titled a module that, you get... People would be like, what the heck? I'm not taking that course. Communication and IC. And it's like, that might be the most important thing you talk about. It, honestly, I believe that that is the most important thing that you talk about. Now, the interesting piece to that is that you have to have the foundational knowledge about the condition in order to have that conversation. And you also have to have the emotional intelligence and the ability to sort of read your patient to decide real quick what that's like. And, but I break that down in the course and, and it's what I teach my staff. And like, that's our job, you guys, like, that's it. Is it with that just so easy? (laughs) It's not easy, but there are ways to make it easier. And I'm actually kind of proud that my brain kind of went there, that I was able to sort of distill that down in a way that I think is easily digestible. And yeah, so it's really good. Right. Because without that, all the knowledge in the world doesn't really matter. Like yeah. that person's not going to be in your office for the second visit. So it doesn't matter if you've got all the manual techniques in the world, if you can't get them to come back from that first skeptical visit when they come in, they're not even sure what pelvic BT is or what they can do about it and why their urologist didn't tell them about it. And they said, ah, oh, well, you've tried everything else. You might as well give it a shot before we remove your bladder. that's the backdrop for a lot of people. So totally. And like you could have have the best freaking visceral mobilization of the urethral tissue in the world. But if you can't get that patient to like calm the F down and be like, okay, I'm in the right spot. Like this chick's going to help me or guy. If you're a pelvic PT dude, like if the PT is not going to help you, then if you don't get that buy-in from that patient, then who cares how good your clinical skills are and your manual skills and your that one exercise that's going to really hit it home. Like no one cares because that patient's like on to the next freaking Facebook forum telling them that they got to end their life because I see is so terrible. Yes. So let's just take Two minutes here, Nicole, and resolve a stirring debate in the IC field. Is IC over or underdiagnosed? Again, it just depends on who you talk to. You know, I think that this used to be like a hot topic. Ooh, is it overdiagnosed? Oh, I think it's totally underdiagnosed. And it freaking doesn't matter, by the way. So what we do know, just to put some facts around this conversation, so about 5 to 6% of people, if we survey the population, have symptoms that would be consistent with interstitial cystitis. 
So that's one in 20, which means that if most of us on average have about 150 social connections, we can do the math and you probably have like seven people you know who could be diagnosed with IC right now. And that's the thing, could be diagnosed with IC. Right. And they are not being diagnosed. So clearly from a just a purely tautological, logical system, they are, it's an underdiagnosed condition. The counter argument, though, is one that we actually hear from a lot of people who really do specialize with IC of uh, even physicians. If I diagnose this person with IC, it's going to send them. I know what's going to happen. They're going to go online. They're going to read all this junk about the IC diet and about acidic food and about how this is a women's condition and how the bladder, all of this stuff that's not going to be helpful. So a lot of physicians that we work with who really know IC actually deliberately do underdiagnose it and don't give people that diagnosis. And you had actually a great example from somebody who came down to see us who had been to a doctor up at Stanford, which I think you had told me as we were talking about, it was probably the best job you've seen a urologist physician doing working up a potential, at least, IC patient. Yeah, you guys, I saved the the physician's notes. Usually I'm like, oh God, like, let me read this. Oh, right. wait, wait, we can actually use the name because usually when we talk about physicians on here, we, we hide the name to protect the guilty. Right. We can actually <laughs> say, so this was Dr. Hanno, who is a, if you guys are into the IC field at all, is huge. His name's on basically almost every major research paper. Ever he written. and Dr. Rob Moldwin are up there as like huge figures in the field. He, I believe, is the lead author, um, at least one of the main people who developed the AUA guidelines. So it's good to know that at least the guy who wrote them can follow them, even if no other urologist seems to be able to. Yeah. But that's the background. So it was a little bit of a hopeful Yeah, I was, it was awesome. So the patient came to me from yeah, up north uh, in California and had gone to Stanford Urology and saw Dr. Phil Hanno. And and. His notes were so perfect. It was such a perfect description of what should have been done, right? He did do a cystoscopy, which is fine, which wasn't necessary for a diagnosis, but he did one to rule out, I'm sure, Hunter's lesions. And and then everything about anything that he told the patient was perfect. It was, you know, he was under-diagnosing, essentially, interstitial cystitis. She did have symptoms consistent with that. However, he said, it's much more likely that your pelvic floor is causing the problem and you need to go to pelvic floor physical therapy. And if that doesn't work, come back to me and we can talk about where else you need to go. He sent her to acupuncture. He had downplayed the diet portion of it. Um, for her, because that's all she had read. And so he told her, don't worry about that. Just get your own trigger foods. I mean, it was just like textbook. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this doctor? And I was like, oh, duh, of course. And I fangirled a little bit. And then I'm going to make up an excuse to uh, talk to him (laughs) about her. So Phil, I know you are listening to this podcast. (laughs) Come down to San Clemente. We'll buy you a glass of wine on us. I hope you're vaccinated. Oh my gosh, that would be... So awesome. Oh, man. You guys got to know where like the skeletons are buried in the field and the research and who hates who. I, oh I would love to talk to him for, so forever. Cool. It's like, I don't know. It's, that's a weird conversation. I know you don't know me, but I've read everything you've ever written multiple times. Yeah, man. That doesn't sound creepy at all, does it? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Cool. So, Nicole, sum us up. Ultimately, doesn't matter if somebody has IC or PFD. 
What do we say? What's our verdict here? The verdict is we don't care because guess what, you guys? We treat what we find. We look at the symptoms that they're presenting with and we see if pelvic floor issues, dysfunction, hypertonic, short, tight, whatever you want to call it, is contributing to those symptoms. Then we need to figure out why that's happening and go down all of the the why train. Why is that happening? Why is that a problem? Why did that happen right now? Why did that present itself for this particular person? But that, and that's the all the pelvic PT side, which is great. But I think the the real challenge for a lot of people, at least in the comments we've gotten back from people who have been through the course, is that it's all of that. You have to do all of those pelvic PT things with a complex pelvic pain person. But then you also have to have all of the knowledge of everything else that they're being bombarded with from their urologist, from the icy diet, from all the online stuff. You have to like know your shit. Yeah. In order to like walk them through that and to let you do your job because otherwise it's going to be a squirrel situation where you're going to turn around and all of a sudden they're having a a PTNS or something done. A what? PTNS. What's the percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation? Oh, yeah, yeah, PTNS. Or a Medtronic device implanted. You, mean, or, you meant interstem, really. PTNS isn't bad. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. But you should still know what the heck we're talking about when we say PTNS. Yeah, totally, totally. So anyways, but the bottom line is that you need to know enough to quarterback their care. You need to know enough to anticipate what they're going to have seen so that you can steer them in the right direction. And truly, you know, what I call really manage your patient that's the thing. Like we can have like, and then we were talking about it before, right? We can have all of the perfect tools in the world, all the best exercises, all the best manual techniques, all the best personality, everything. But if you can't rein in your patient and steer them in the right direction and actually manage their case, then we have a problem. And that's what the the foundational knowledge base of understanding the condition and really for any condition you need to do this for and really truly manage your patient. Cool. So I hope this has been really helpful for you guys. This is a question that we obviously get a ton from patients. I'm sure you do as well, but really trying to differentiate that. And does it matter? Does it matter to you? And in what way does it matter? Does it matter in how you speak to the patient? So yeah, does it matter to the patient? Does it matter to the physician? Like all of the things, right? But all of that has to be underpinned by knowledge. And if you don't have the knowledge, then all of this is just whistling in the dark. Totally. So If you guys are interested and want to jump in on this, it is going to open back up on April 26th. We're going to just keep it open for a couple of days until the end of April. More than 150 people have already been through the course in the first cohort. So let us know if you do have any questions. I'm going to put that link to the wait list down there. So make sure to grab that when it comes up again. But as always, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out, please let us know. Let's keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. 